Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast software, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. Our famous investigator t-shirts are available in four different styles and a variety of colors. Check it out over at famous.greatdetectives.com greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date, October the 10th, 1949, and the title is The Teacup Murder Case. Wait a minute, Algene. Wait right here. Hi, Johnny. Nice of you to come down to welcome me. Don't give me that welcome talk. You know what I'm here for. Did you bring it with you? Shh. Somebody will hear it. Nobody around to hear me. Did you bring it? That's what I want to know. I've got it all right, Johnny. Be at my room at nine o'clock tonight. I'll let you look at it. Only there are two other gentlemen who'll be bidden for it, too. So they'll be bidden. Yeah. One thing I'm guaranteeing, Algie. I'm the guy that's going to get it. Hello, Algie. Oh. Oh, it's Mr. Burke. That's right, Algie, Mr. Burke. Your ship docked a little while ago. I was watching you when you got off. I was going to call you as soon as I got my room here, Mr. Burke. Honest, I was. Perhaps you were. I hope you were, for your sake. Did you bring it with you, Algie? Why? But, Mr. Burke, you'll have to come here tonight to see it. As you probably know, there are three of you gentlemen who want it. Sure. Johnny Peters, Reginald Sands, and me. That's right. I know they're both wanted. Mr. Burke, Johnny seems to be sure he's the one that's going to get it. Algie... Please listen and remember this. Yeah? If Johnny Peters gets it, you're going to get it right between the eyes. Hello. Elgie? Speaking. Ah, oh, Reginald Sands, Elgie, old boy. Oh, hello. Well, I see you've arrived on schedule. Oh, we docked a couple of hours ago. Very good, old fellow. And uh, you brought it ashore safely? I've got it. And it's safe enough right here with me. Oh, really, old bean, that's tough. Oh. <laughs> Better keep it with you until I have a chance to get down there, Elgie. I want to see it. More than that, I want to buy it. You'll have to get online, Mr. Sands. You're not the only one who wants the diamond, you know. Yes, I know. That stone is very much in demand. That's right. But, Elgie, old top, it is better be me who gets it, because if I don't, you'll have another kind of stone for your very own. A tombstone. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Well, Vance, this is the room where the body was discovered. I'll bring you up to date as quickly as I can. Thank you, Markham. But let me tell you first what I know. All right. The dead man was Algie Corcoran, a steward on a transoceanic liner. He'd been suspected of smuggling, but nothing was ever proven. Right. Now, smuggling doesn't come under my authority as district attorney, but some of Algie's playmates are pretty rough characters, I understand. He was found shot to death right here last night. His boat docked yesterday afternoon. What kind of a gun was used? A Webley, English gun. Oh? This particular model was at least 12 years old, ballistic show. Nothing unusual was in the room except a tea kettle on the portable stove and two teacups which had held tea that had been drunk. But there were no fingerprints on one cup. The one the murderer drank from. If the dead man had, there'd be no purpose in wiping off the fingerprints. Right, Markham. No question about that now. Well, Vance, as usual, we give you nothing to work on, but that hasn't stopped you in the past. There's a first time for everything, my friend. <laughs> Tell me this. What ship did Algy work on? The SS Simplon from London. Hmm. There was a jewel robbery in London about two weeks ago in which the famous 40-carat Elton Diamond was stolen. Algy is a suspected smuggler. Hmm. Oh, I see what you mean. For a case that seemingly has no clues, Markham, I'd say we have rather a clear picture of what happened. Now let's see what progress we can make. Well, come, come, old man. It can't take all that time. No. You ever try to cut a 40-carat diamond, Mr. Sands? I steal them. Cutting them is your department. I've got to be very careful. You want this stone split exactly in half so it will no longer be recognized as the Elton diamond, but can be sold for matched earrings. Two 20-carat stones will bring you almost as much as one 40-carat one. Yes, and it'll be a whole lot less recognizable, old fellow. All right, go ahead. I won't interrupt you. I'm almost finished. I'll put the Elton in this vise. Put my diamond cutter right here. And just tap it once with this mallet. Ah, that ought to do it. Good. Where'd you get the diamond, Mr. Sands? This lifted in London two weeks ago. I know, I know. Never mind where I got it. Uh, go ahead, old fellow. Tap it again with that, that uh, thing, please. Very well. Here goes. <laughs> the lights. Who turned out the lights? Mr. Sands, we are in the dark. Damn <laughs> it. Seems as if I'm in a bit of a predicament. I can't see you, but look, whoever you are in this room, let, let's make a bargain. I'll give you half of everything. He'll give me half. That's you, Joe? It's me, Edna. <sighs> what a day. Busy. And how? <laughs> What's for dinner? I won't tell you. It's a surprise. All right? Sure, then. I have a surprise for you, too. Oh, let me see. A later. Honey, no teasing. Honey, no begging. Oh, please, if it's a surprise, let me see it. Please, Joe. What's for dinner? Roast beef. Now, what's your surprise? <laughs> These. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Pretty, aren't they, Edna? Yeah. Two perfectly matched 20-carat stones. How to kill a man to get them. Oh, the stones are lovely. I've never seen such fire. How to knock out a guy, too. Oh. Killed the fellow who cut the stones, knocked out the guy who lifted them from Algie Corcoran. 
The steward you read about? The one that was killed? Sure, I read about him. Oh, Joe, these stones are the most beautiful I've ever seen. They well, just... you keep admiring them. I'm going and wash up. I'll be out in a minute, and the roast beef better be ready and uh, good. Oh, it will be, Joe. You can be sure of that. Final Vance speaking. Vance, my name is Endon Burke. My husband is Joe Burke. He just killed a man. What did you say? I said my husband killed a man. A diamond cutter, he said. Where is he now? He's washing up. He can't hear me with the water running. Vance, I've been saving your telephone number waiting for something like this. You've got to catch Joe, and then I'll be rid of him once and for all. Where are you? Harris Apartments. Hurry up, Vance. I'll be there with the district attorney, Markham, inside half an hour. That wasn't very nice, Edna. Joe. I heard, I... honey. I heard everything. All right. You told Vance to come over, and then you'll be rid of me once and for all. No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems to me that when he gets here, it'll be the other way around. <laughs> There's the apartment door, Markham. Yes. I only hope that Joe Burke didn't overhear his wife talking to me on the telephone. Well, no, in a minute, Vance. That we will. If he did hear her, he'd think nothing of killing her. I'm sure of that. Hear anything, Vance? Not yet. Vance, hmm. thank goodness you've come. Where is he, Mrs. Burke? In here. Come in, please. This is District Attorney Markham, Mrs. Burke. How do you do? How do you do? Where's your husband? There he is, lying on the floor over there. What? He's dead. I shot him. What is this, Mrs. Burke? He heard me phoning Vance. He tried to kill me. We struggled, and his gun went off, and he dropped. I know I should be hysterical and all that, but I'm not the type. He tried to kill me. He got killed. That's all there is to it. I wouldn't say that. There's a whole lot more to it than that. You said he told you we killed a diamond cutter. Yeah. Well, a diamond cutter was found dead this afternoon. We suspected he may have been used to cut up the Elton diamond, and then was killed. I don't know anything about that. Your husband didn't mention anything about any diamond? Not a thing. Oh, uh... Here's my husband's gun. I took it from him after he fell. I think you'll find it's the one used to kill the diamond cutter, Markham, but not the one that killed the British steward. You're right, Vance. This is an American-made automatic. However, Burke might have used another gun to murder Algie Cochran. Perhaps. Uh, Mrs. Burke, did your husband drink tea? Are you kidding? He never drank tea. Hmm. Well, in that case, Markham, we'll have to look for another murderer. How do you do? What can I do for you, please? I'd uh, like to know if you'd be interested in buying a pair of perfectly matched diamonds. Diamonds? How big, please? Twenty carats each. Twenty carats? Uh Uh-huh. That's a lot. Stolen, of course. Does that make any difference? Not to me. You uh, would want a lot of money for them. Oh, they're worth a lot. Here, take a look for yourself. Hmm. Very beautiful. It would take some time for me to get rid of these. Put them away. Somebody's coming in. Somebody is in, Mrs. Burke. Somebody named me. Vance, you followed me. That's a logical conclusion. Yes, I did. And I'll take those stones if nobody minds. Mr. Fear, the police. Take them. I, I know nothing about them. This lady brought them in. She asked me to buy them. I have nothing against you. Well, Mrs. Burke, apparently you left out part of your story, didn't you? Vance, I told you the honest truth. Joe did try to kill me, and the gun did go off while we were struggling. Afterwards, I got the idea of taking these two stones. But the rest of the story was the truth. I swear it was. Take it easy, I Mrs. Burke. Taken... You weren't the hysterical type. Remember, that's what you told Markham and me. Just relax. 
And the five of us will take a trip to Mr. Markham's office. The five of us? Yes, sir. This gentleman and the two stones and myself. I imagine he'll be glad to see us all. Oh, I I beg your pardon, old boy, but I'll have to deny the district attorney that pleasure. I'll take the stones. Who are you? But it wouldn't matter if I told you my name, because to be perfectly frank, old man, I change it almost as often as I change my shirt. But I'll take those stones, old fellow. Now, please, Mr. Vance, give them to me. He'll start to shoot if you don't. Oh, there's no question about that. Well, then? Well, I don't have any choice in the matter. Here they are. Oh, no, don't throw them. I know all the tricks. Just leave them on the counter and walk away three steps with your back toward me. That's it. Now, all of you, walk. Well, I should say we ought to walk, Mrs. Burke. Okay. Allow me. Oh, quite the gentleman, aren't you, Vance, old boy? Quite a smart gentleman, too. And now I'll just take these diamonds... Actually, they belong to me, by the way. There's a family in London that might dispute that statement. Oh, I don't doubt it. Let us just say that I'm the American owner. It was I who had them when we, the diamond cutter and I, were hijacked by this lady's husband, Joe Burke. I knew he was after the stones. And I was watching his house and followed Mrs. Burke when she left with you after her. We made quite a parade, I imagine. Yes, all we needed was a banner and a band. You say those stones belong to you, that you're the American owner? Yes. Does that mean you killed Algie Cochran to get them? <laughs> the resourceful, redoubtable Philo Vance asked us leading a question as that. <laughs> it's hard to believe you'd be that obvious, Vance. I apologize. I accept your apology. I promise not to ask any more questions. And I promise you this. Within 24 hours, I'll have all the answers to this case, including knowing who you are and proving you killed Algie, if you did. <laughs> This is District Attorney Markham. The teacup murder case opened with the killing of Algie Corcoran, suspected smuggler. His murderer, we are sure, drank a cup of tea either before or after killing him and stealing the famous Elton diamond, which we are sure Corcoran brought across with him. Vance knows that the Elton has been cut up into two separate stones to prevent identification and was on the trail of the stones when he was held up. And they were taken from him by a man whom he didn't know, but who spoke with a marked British accent. He has promised to report any new developments to me, and I expect to be in touch with him. Markham speaking. Right, you, Vance? Yes, Markham. I've made several very interesting conjectures about this case, and I'd like to tell you about them. Where are you now? At home, but we can discuss this over the phone. All right. In my opinion, the teacup we found at Corcoran's room is the key to this entire case, Markham. That's what I believe when you asked me to name it the teacup murder case for our records, but I'm not sure of the exact significance of the cup. I'll explain that to you, but apparently I can't do it now. All I'll tell you is a very apparent fact. The killer is British. There's someone at my door. I'll check back with you later, Markham. Do that, Vance. Bye. Goodbye. Vance. Right. Vance, let me in, please. Well, come in, my friend. Sorry to see you so badly beaten up, but it's nice to see you without a gun in your hand. Here, sit down right there. Thank you. You you recognize me, don't you? Yes. You're the man who held me up at the diamond store and took the two stones from me. What happened to you? To them? And uh, to your British accent? Look, look, I'm going to give you the straight, Vance, because I need help. I was taking those diamonds back to my place when I got slugged, beaten up. Who it was that clipped me, I don't know, but he... Sure did a good job. Yes, he did. By the way, who are you? My name is Sands. Reginald Sands. That's my current name. Anyhow, I 
I used to work the boats on a card mat. Cheating passengers in fixed games. Oh, no, the games weren't fixed, just the cards. No. Anyhow, I, I got to meet Algie Corcoran on board one trip, and I, I knew he was going to grab the Elton Diamond over there and peddle it here, so I wanted to buy it. So you went down to his room, killed him, and took it. Talk, let's not start that over again, Vance. The important thing is that I haven't got the Elton Stones. And I don't want the guy who has them to keep them. Understandable, of course. And it's also understandable why you don't go to the police with your problem. By the way, what happened to your British accent? Oh, it was knocked out of me by the guy who clipped me. I... See, I was born in Illinois, Vance, but I put on a phony accent when I worked the boats. You'd be surprised how a British accent can help me in my work, Vance. Well, let's not discuss that now. Just give me an idea as to who might have done that manual tattoo work on your face. Could have been only one guy. Johnny Peters. That's a new name to me. Who's he? Look, Algie told me three guys wanted the Elton. Joe Burke, he's dead. Me, and Johnny Peters. I have a hunch Peters is the character that did a job on me. And I'll tell you where you can find him. Do that. And once I get in his apartment, I'll find what I can get out of him. Hey, let's say you do that dance you do at the club, baby. Okay. Only this time, nobody's going to be watching except me. Here, I'll turn on the phonograph. Hey, what kind of record is that? Oh, Johnny, cutie, I put that on while I was waiting for you to come home. Leave it. So, uh, classical. Who needs it? I want something with a beat so you can hook. Oh, yeah. What's the use of having a girlfriend who can hop the buck if you can't watch her every once in a while? Uh, like now, huh? Oh, I'll dance for you, Johnny. Anytime. Give me another glimpse of those diamonds you got, will you, huh? What's it worth to you? This. Hmm. Let's see the rocks, Johnny. Just once more, huh? I won't touch them. Just let me look, huh? Okay. Hey, uh. Gee. Oh, look what happens when the light hits them. They sparkle just like rhinestones. Yeah, I'd like a costume made of them. Oh. All she wants is a costume made of 20 carat diamonds. Right away, baby. I'll make you one with my own lily white hands. Right away. Oh, they sure are pretty. They sure are. Yeah. A couple of guys have been killed for these rocks. One guy got beaten up pretty bad on account of them. But I got him. And I'm going to keep him. Who's that? I don't know. Kill that phonograph while I stash these stones and find out. Okay, I will. Now let whoever it is try to find him. That's what he's looking for. Where'd you put him, Johnny? Baby, you see any green in my eyes? I know. Think I'd trust you? Johnny, Shut you up. Know? Well, I see who's at the door. I've got nothing to hide from nobody now. Well? Who are you? My name is Vance. Nice of you to ask me in. I didn't ask you nothing, much less in. What do you want, Vance? Well, right at the moment, I want to know why you're wearing adhesive tape on your right hand. I cut myself when I was shaving. On your hand? I'm the neat type. What's it to you, Vance? I'm looking for the Elton Diamond, only it's two diamonds now. And I'm also looking for a killer. I think I'll find both together. Well, don't look at baby there. She don't know the right time. Who don't? It's 8.30. Uh, you see what I mean, Vance? I'm not interested in her right now. It's you I want to talk to. You're Johnny Peters. So? So I don't think you'll mind if I look around your apartment, do you? Oh, but I do. Very much. In that case, please stop me. Please try, I mean. It would make me very happy. Never let it be said that I didn't try to make a guy happy. How's for this, Vance? <laughs> Laughing yet? No, but I'm going to be enjoying myself for the next few minutes. I can see that. Cut it out! Stop it! Kill him, Johnny! Well, that's that. 
You hurt him. Vance, you, you killed him. Oh, you murderer, you. I could, I could, I... Gee, you got nice eyes. But better to see that telephone with, my dear. Excuse me just a second. You'd better get some water and throw it in your boyfriend's face. And sure, sure, I'll get some right away. Markham speaking. This is Vance. Markham, can you reach Mrs. Joe Burke? Yes, she's in custody. She'll have to stand trial for her husband's death, you know. Well, I want you to have her down in your office. You had Sergeant Heath pick up a fellow named Reginald Sands at my apartment. Have him there, too. All right. When will you be here? As soon as I can make it. And I'll have company with me. A mug named Johnny Peters. The one person who killed Algie Corcoran and started us on this case is included in the three, Markham. It's either Mrs. Burke, Peters, or Sands. I don't know which one it is, but I guarantee I'll know 20 minutes after I get to your office. Come on, Peters, don't make me drag you in. You're too heavy. You hit awful hard, Vance. I don't hardly know where I am. You're outside District Attorney Markham's office. And in a second, you'll be in there. Like now. Sit over there, Johnny. That seat right there. Okay, what can I lose? Hi, Sands. Hi. You look like you ran into a truck. What happened to you? You look like you met the same truck. Uh, Hello, Mrs. Burke. What did you want me here for, Vance? You'll find out. Thank you, Martin, for the trouble I put you to. No trouble, Vance. Well, what happens now? A little experiment. I have three lists of girls' names on these sheets of paper in my pocket. One goes to each of my suspects. Here you are, Mrs. Burke. What do I do with it? I'll tell you later. Yours, Peters? Gee, this is what I've always wanted. A piece of paper. Your list, Mr. Sands? Thanks so much. Mrs. Burke, read me the names on that paper. Yeah. Keep going till I stop you. Okay. Alice, Beatrice, Clarice, Dorothy, Evelyn, Francis, Grace. That's enough. Uh, okay. Mr. Peters? How do you know I can read? Can you? Sure. Alice, Beatrice, Clarice, Evelyn, Francis, Grace, Hold it. Harriet. It's a pleasure. Mr. Sands? My turn, huh? That's right. All right. Alice, Beatrice, Clarice, Dorothy, Evelyn, Francis, Grace, Harry, Morvance. No, thank you, Mr. Sands. You've gone far enough. Markham, you can make your arrest now. I don't doubt it. But which one is the killer we're looking for? Couldn't you tell, Markham? Why, the murderer is Johnny Peters, of course. Markham, I know you want an explanation, and you're entitled to one. I not only want it, Vance, I need it. Why were you so sure the murderer had to be Johnny Peters? To begin with, I was always certain the killer of Algie Corcoran was an Englishman. That required no genius. The weapon used, a 12-year-old Webley, was British. The fact that he drank a cup of tea with his victim while either about to murder Algie or right after was another indication that he was British. So far, so good. But how did you know Peters was English? He certainly didn't sound it when he talked. Finding which of our suspects was English was the hard part of this case. Peters had been over here a number of years, Markham, yes. long enough to lose his accent when he talked. Yes. But not long enough to lose his inclination for tea, and when he read, the fact that he was English reached right out and asserted itself. Yeah. Of course, you know that I don't know how it did. The pronunciation of the name Evelyn, Markham. The English don't say Evelyn, they say Evelyn. Of course. That's how Peters pronounced it when he was reading that list of names I prepared for just that purpose. Well, I'll be darned. His confession proves you were right, of course, and we found the diamonds in his apartment, but I'm still not clear on the mechanics of this case. What actually happened that night in Algie's room? Very simple, Markham. Algie sold the Elton Diamond to Reginald Sands. Sands left, and in came Peters. Algie made him tea, and then announced he'd sold the Elton to Sands. Furious at what he considered a double cross, Peters shot Algie with his Webley pistol. 
The gun he carried, because he'd had it for so long, he knew it couldn't be traced. Then he wiped his fingerprints from the teacup he used and left. Yes. Now, before he'd reached Algie's, Joe Burke, who was later killed by his wife, called Algie, and Algie told him he'd sold the Elton Diamond to Sands. Follow that? Yes, of course. Well, the rest we know. Sands took the stone to be cut. Joe Burke came in, shot the cutter, and knocked out Sands. He came home, and his wife called us. What followed after that, you know. That I do, that I do, and it isn't the only thing I know either. I know this is the end of the teacup murder case. interesting in that you had both American pretending to be a British person and a British person pretending to be an American. But as for Vance's evidence, he based his theory that the killer was British because the killer drank tea. I mean, really, because even in the 1940s, there were places known as tea rooms in the United States because there were people, and still are, who actually like tea and are not British. And there are even British people who don't like tea. And I will admit that I get scandalized a little bit inside when they speak up. But nevertheless, they do exist and they are legitimately British. Drink preference is not really something that you can use as criminal evidence. And, you know, Philo Vance would have to testify in court based on how he helped in the case and really was key to finding the murderer. And I would love to be the defense lawyer who got to defend a client who was prosecuted on the basis of nationality because it was determined that the killer liked tea. Now, the idea of the gun is seems a bit stronger, but it's really weak sauce as well. Just because the Webley is a British gun, it doesn't mean that it was shot by a British person any more than Lugers are exclusively used by German people. And the reason that Vance cited for using the Webley, its lack of traceability since it originated in the uh, UK and wasn't registered anywhere in the United States, would apply to anyone who owned the gun regardless of nationality. And this episode was originally aired about four 
years after the end of World War II, so you had a lot of war souvenir guns floating around. And you also have the fact that criminals of all sorts will import untraceable guns, and you had a bunch of shady characters walking around in this story. The pronunciation test was a little more interesting, although it does seem like the police could have checked out everyone's background and find out whether they were British. That would have been a bit more reliable. And I would also be curious if there are any American dialects that would pronounce the name Evelyn, or any uh, British dialects that would pronounce the name Evelyn. Now, these sort of clothes are nowhere near as common in more modern uh, mysteries. I don't think they're as believable as the exchange of culture between the United States and the UK has increased over the decades. Certainly at the time of Philo Vance, you had books and a few movies that would make the trip from one side of the pond to the other. But I think that exchange has accelerated with the number of American TV shows that cross over and air on British television. And of course, there are so many British programs that have developed a following in America. And that has only increased with all of the streaming services out there. And I think there's a greater awareness. And there's a way in which the cultures start to influence one another. I've heard some British people complain that uh, some folks, particularly younger folks, are picking up Americanisms and using them in speech. And it can come across the other way as well. I've found myself incorporating some British phrases into my speech, you know, unintentionally. But some things I just love, like I love rubbish as an adjective. Like, that was such a rubbish movie. And it was not like something where I decided, yeah, I'm going to use rubbish. It's just kind of something I found myself doing. And even though it's not standard American usage, I don't see any reason to stop. And you do have that sort of thing going on on both sides of the Atlantic. So you can't really believably try to solve a case like that uh, today, even in fiction. Only the most rubbish detective would try. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have a couple comments regarding the Eckerd murder case. And uh, we start with this from Derek, who says, A few weeks back, I swore my allegiance to follow Vance over Barton Drake. No more. The last episode features Vance on the floor of the house, D.A. Markham at the front door of the house, and multiple policemen with Tomic guns shooting at that very house. Every bad guy ends up dead uh, with not even a scratch for our hero and his inept sidekick. They take a lot of liberty in writing. I'll keep listening to Philo Vance, but I think... I just joined uh, the Graham team in preferring Barton Drake. Well, thanks so much, Derek. And I guess if you want to say one thing for the police and the Follow Vance universe, what they lack in mental power to solve basic murders, 
they make up for with their supernatural abilities to avoid hitting our heroes. If these officers were somehow brought forward to our time, they could not get on the police force, but I have no doubt they would make a great living uh, playing shooter video games. And then we have an email from Blaine who writes, Hi Adam, many people have commented on Philo Vance being a man of average intelligence surrounded by idiots. I don't know if that was ever more evident than in this episode. I cannot understand why their first assumption was that this was impossible and a single criminal. Even without the criminal emphasizing his own description for the witness, the natural assumption is a gang with a gimmick. While these are entertaining, I cannot help but think of two quotes that I came across when I studied physics at university. The first is Isaac Newton's false modesty. If I have seen further than others, it is because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. We know it's false modesty because his personal journal survives, and all modesty from Isaac Newton is clearly false modesty. The second is a follow-up from Murray Gell-Mann, a uh, genuinely modest individual with a sense of humor, who also came up with the idea of quarks to explain certain observation. If I've seen further than others, it is because I'm surrounded by dwarves. Philo Vance sees himself as Isaac Newton did, though he's more honest about it, but the uh, Gell-Mann uh, quote, feels more accurate to the outsiders looking in on this world. And that will do it to, for today. Well, thank you so much, Blaine, and appreciate the insight. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Lisa, Patreon supporter since April of 2016, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you for your support, Lisa. And that will do it for today. A reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast with your favorite podcast software, including Overcast, Stitcher, Good Pods, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Philo Vance, but join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Well, uh, looks like an inside job to me, Dollar. Well, what's the dope on it, Lieutenant? Only two doors to the penthouse, front and service. Neither one was forced. Service door bolted and double locked from the inside. So someone got in the front way with a key, huh? That seems reasonable. Outside of the furs and jewels, nothing else in the apartment was touched. Whoever did it knew exactly where to go. No ransacking. The job was well planned and well carried out. Uh-huh. You got a list of those who have keys? You can't possibly narrow them down. The Baroness hands them out to her friends like tossing confetti at a New Year's party. We checked the obvious ones, maid, hotel employees. Haven't come up with a thing. There were two full-length coats, two jackets, and a stole among the missing furs. That's right. Well, now, the jewelry might not be too hard to handle, but how did anybody get out with a load of fur like that and not be noticed? I don't think it's possible. Another thing that makes it look like an inside job. Uh, the Baroness telling me she had some friends up last night? Yeah, she mentioned it. Didn't happen to mention Vasily Udescu, did she? No. Should she have? He was one of them. The doorman tells us that while the rest of the party came down around 8, Udescu didn't leave till 11.30. Might be interesting to know why, huh? Yeah, particularly in view of the fact he's got a record. 
suspected confidence game on a Fifth Avenue jewelry store, suspicion of shoplifting furs, no conviction. Could be we'll close this as soon as we pick him up. Maybe. Quiet it up. You know something we don't? Yeah. I haven't had an easy case in three years. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.